0: Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Let's go into the rest of our service now. It's going to be a different kind of service with songs and testimonies, and I hope you enjoy uh, just the different Uh, aspect of this service. I hope you've enjoyed your month of praying and fasting as a church family and that you feel prompted to just keep praying and to keep asking what God has laid on your heart to be praying for. One of the aspects of a month like this is learning how to trust God more and more with today. I have three different verses proverbs 3 5 and 6 trust in the lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take trusting in god is actually an action we have to take we have to choose to trust in god trust in the lord with all of your heart and do not depend on your own understanding i'm telling you my understanding very often i think i'm the only one that understands the situation here and i know you've experienced that before so very uh, many times in my life when god is working i don't understand what he's doing but can we trust him and choosing to trust him to seek his will in all we do and then the promise is he will show us how to do this day He will show us how to go through the day that he's called us to. Psalm 33, 20 through 22. We put our hope in the Lord. He is our help and shield. In him, our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us. Lord, for our hope is in you alone. I don't know if you're like me. I look around and I say that all the time to God. Sheesh, God, do you see your world? You're the only one that we can hope in right now. You're the only one that we can put our trust in for this day. And then finally in Isaiah 28:3, you God will keep in perfect peace, all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. Again, our choice. If we fix our thoughts on God, moment by moment as you go through this day, God will keep you in perfect peace. It's a promise. This is a promise to claim. If you and I keep our thoughts fixed on him, trusting him, he will keep us in perfect peace. Gail, would you come?
1: Goodness, it is bright up here. Uh, Good morning, church family. Um, So, for those who don't know us, myself and my husband Rob, um, we've been floating about trying to live in Namibia and mostly failing for the last couple of years. Um, So, uh, Dana just asked me to share some of the things that I've learned during the last couple of years. And just to give a bit of background for some of the people who might not know, we tried to, we've applied for a work permit in 2019 and haven't got it yet. Um, And so because of that, we've had to shift between Namibia and South Africa. And in 2020, we were in South Africa when COVID hit and we were just bouncing around the country. We have we rent a flat in Namibia, but we don't rent a flat in South Africa, which means in South Africa, we're basically homeless. So some of the highlights of 2020 was um, living in a tent in my aunt's yard in KwaZulu-Natal. For those who know KwaZulu-Natal, it rains 90% of the time in summer, and my tent is Namibian, and it doesn't pretend to be waterproof anymore. So we were washed out of the tent and into my aunt's outhouse, which was slightly more waterproof than the tent um so that was fungus growing up the walls and it was rather a damp location um, another highlight of that year was living in a little wendy house in the bottom end of someone's yard we rented that for a month or two um, more waterproof but when it rained it was tin roof and no ceiling so when it rained all conversation just came to an end and it was sign language um, and the, the doorways were so short that I think Rob nearly lost his head a couple of times walking from one room to the other. So very small little Wendy house. Um, so that was 2020. It was quite fun. Um, but anyway, just a bit of background. We've been bouncing around for quite a while. Um, when we're not in Namibia, often we're in the Karoo and Loxton. And we have some friends there that we, we spend time with and they haven't. Yet got tired of us um, but it's getting there so um, we bounce around and in this time I just need to reflect on what God has been teaching us and it's if we had the rest of the morning I could give you a lot of what God has taught me in this last few years because it's been a time of realizing for the first the first lesson, I suppose, is that your plans don't matter. Um, My plans, what I want to do, that I want to live in Namibia, what I want to do with my career, they really don't matter. Um, God can change them at any moment. And I find that some people who live in a more settled kind of life, um, you sort of expect your plans to work out. So you think, next week we're gonna do X, next month we're gonna do Y and next year we're gonna be there, there, and do that. I've given up on that a long time ago. If you ask me what I'm doing next week, I don't know. Um, I might be here, in fact, next week we're leaving to South Africa again. That much I think I know. Um, What we do, where we live in South Africa, I don't know. So giving up on our plans and what we want and a nice, neat little idea and way forward and future That was one thing that he taught us to do. It's no longer our lives, really, it's God's life, and he must live it as he sees fit. So whether we're here or there, whether we're in one society, one group of friends, or another, which church we go to, all of these things is not up to us. It really isn't. Um, And I think it's easy to forget that when you live a settled life, but when you live in chaos, um, you really know it's really not up to you. It's God's God's provision, where He wants to send you, what He wants to do with your life. It's really, you have no say in this matter. So it's trusting that God has the best for us. He has our best interests at heart, and not just our best interests, but the people around us. So this last time when we were forced to go back to Loxton, one of our friends there was... Um, he has now since passed away, and he was in the process of of dying while we were there. And we had the opportunity of being with him in his last week. So we wouldn't have had that opportunity if we were where we wanted to be, which is in Namibia. So clearly the Lord wanted us to be with Alan for those last couple of weeks, and we had the opportunity to preach the gospel to him. He's an unbeliever. I don't know the... The opportunity that we had was at a time where he could no longer speak. So all we had to go off with was his expression in his eyes. So we don't know what the ultimate uh, result was. But we do know that God was gracious enough to give him that last opportunity. And then just the last thing. So as I say, he's taught us a lot over the last few years. But the most recent thing he's taught me um, is a verse in Matthew, chapter 13, verse 24. And it's basically, it's about the merchant who found the pearl of great price. And he sold everything to get the pearl. And if you think of that example, it's crazy, it's nuts. Like, if you had a person in this real life, who finds a gemstone, maybe a diamond somewhere, and they go and sell their house and their car and everything else to buy that thing, you would think they were nuts, right? I mean, that is crazy. But Jesus uses that example and he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this man, who is totally nuts, sells everything he has to obtain that one thing. And the Lord just asked me, am I your pearl? Am I that thing that you would sell everything for? Like everything. And when he is your pearl, then it doesn't matter. Like life could be chaotic, you could lose everything. You could not have a house, not have a car, have nothing, but you have a pearl. And if he is your pearl, then he's worth it. And that's the most recent thing. Um, And it has really been a wonderful journey. And we are going back to South Africa, unfortunately. We would still love to be in Namibia, but at the end of the day, Jesus is my pearl and he's he's worth it thanks
2: thank you gail sunday school it is now your time so sunday schoolers you can leave us um, the rest of us let's stand together and continue I tried to make it on my own Every time I tried to stand and start to fall For all those lonely roads that I have traveled on That was Jesus When the life I built came crashing to the ground when the friends I had were nowhere to be found I couldn't see it then, but I can see it now There was Jesus There was Jesus In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and the hurting Like a blessing buried in the broken pieces every minute every moment where i've been and where i'm going even when i didn't know it and couldn't see it There was jesus for this man and these amazing kind of grace for forgiveness at a price i couldn't pay I'm not perfect, so I thank God every day. And there's Jesus. In the waiting, in the searching, in the healing and the hurting, like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute. Every moment where I've been and where I'm going Even when I didn't know or couldn't see it There was Jesus on the mountain, in the valley there was Jesus. In the shadow of the alice In the fire in the flood Like a blessing buried in the broken pieces. Every minute, every moment, where I've been and where I'm going. Even when I didn't know or could see it. There was Jesus. There was Jesus.
0: learning hopefully learning uh, to trust God in our hurts and our disappointments I think so many of us in this church family have experienced so many hurts and disappointments through our lifetime if you have not they're coming Uh, if you keep breathing they're coming hurts and disappointments are part of this world this is why we have Jesus this is why we cling to him as the precious pearl as our precious treasure because hurts and disappointments are coming. Jesus is our hiding place. He's our refuge. He's our only source of hope that we have. In Psalm 28:7, the Lord is my strength and shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me, and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. Joy in the hurt and disappointment? You better believe it. God helps us to burst out in song, in our hurt, in our disappointment. Isaiah 61, two through three. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come, and with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, They will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his glory. Great oaks. Can you imagine that God would say, I have planted you to become a great oak for my glory. And he plants us in the disappointments. He plants us in the hurt. And he plants us to trust him. And as he heals, as he turns our ashes into beauty, as he gives us songs of praise, he begins to grow us, and that we become these glorious great oaks for his glory. So Nellie's going to tell us her story. And she's going to sing a solo, so stand, don't stand with her. Enjoy her story with her words. She says she loves singing her words better than speaking them. Uh, So enjoy the words, but then enjoy her song story.
3: Hello. So I was telling Dana yesterday I'm not much of a talker. I'm not good with my words. I feel like when she asked me to give my testimony, I felt like Moses when God told him to go talk to the Israelites. He was like, why me, Jesus? So bear with me. Wait, I need my tissue. So on January 2001, my sister, Pumla, passed away. And she was only 34 years old. Um, I wish I could stand up here and say that I went through the mourning process um, well, and that I went through it as strong and with everything that I knew uh, and who who I knew Jesus was. As a matter of fact, it was the beginning of a deep spiral encapsulated by a void of hopelessness and unbelief, idols, and disobedience, everything I should have had a handle on. I was in shock. I actually think I still am. Um, she was young, and she has a beautiful 15-year-old daughter who needs her mom. How could this have happened? How could God have done this? How could he have allowed it? After the funeral, when... Our heart started quieting down and everything everything inside of me was so disoriented. I was angry, confused, disappointed. Simultaneously, I was having a, a sense of peace that I didn't understand and I refused to accept it. I didn't want it, how could I? How could I have this peace? Did it mean that I didn't love my sister enough? And so I rebelled against it. I wanted to be angry. I wanted to be disappointed. And I started, um, this is the start of me drifting away. A very essential part of the story is that I love Jesus. Um, I gave my life to him, praying with Dana as a little girl with my hands in her, in her hands, um, with tears rolling down my cheeks. And I, and I said yes to God. I remember we were sitting. We were standing on the grass outside at Hodegos and Dana said, there's a big party because you gave your life. Soon after the funeral, the COVID restrictions rose and the restaurants started opening. And I started going out every weekend um, with my sisters and we went to restaurants and we were just whining and dining. I got so tired of it. Um, I was always out, I didn't want to deal with anything, and I was just filling this void. Um, this continued for about two to three months, until one day I said, I am so exhausted, God. I, I don't like this. I don't like going out. This is really hectic. I don't even like alcohol. I don't like our tastes. Um, but I'm here. Help me. This was my first prayer um, that, I, that I prayed. After resisting God for a long time, I didn't even think it was a prayer because it was just talking to Him, really. Um, and then I, I kept on going out, however, and I felt like the Israelites when they were when they kept on going around the same mountain. Um, and eventually, when my soul settled, I started researching when my soul settled and i was a bit calmer and i didn't go out as much and i was home um, i started looking into astrology and i started reading up on all everything astrology i was so interested i generally am as interested in science and and everything to do with the moon and the stars and um i i went really deep into it and i think i reposted something on instagram and and um my brother rico cautioned me and he was like hey z you know you really shouldn't be posting these things and i was like i'm just really interested in it I'm, it's not that i am worshiping um any of it or and he was and he sent me all these links and all these um verses and for the first time i heard rico being very stern with me through text and i knew god was talking to me um, and so i stopped with the astrology and um, I, I, I started praying. And during all this time, um, I, I wasn't watching any sermons. I wasn't, church was closed, but I wasn't logging on onto line and watching the sermons online either. Um, after my conversation with Rico that Sunday, I, I logged on to church, the church's Facebook, and um, And that was when um, I heard, I really don't know what the sermon was even about, but I remember Max's um, testimony. And I remember him talking about how he was trying, he was wrestling with the thought of how people move away from Jesus, how people that have loved Jesus so deeply as a kid move away from him. And God spoke to me in that moment, and he was like, is this you? Are you gonna move away from me? Are we not doing life together anymore? And um, I paused and I sat up in my, I was watching it in bed. I sat up in my bed and I was like, I thought about my past and I was like, sure, that was very hard. Everything that happened And, and the fact that I lost my sister so young and that my niece doesn't have a mom, it was really hard, but God was still in it and I thought to the future, and I thought, can I continue without Jesus? And I, and I knew I couldn't. Even though I wasn't talking to him the, the entire time, I knew he was there. And so God said, you have to, you have to leave. You ha-. he, he asked me, um, you have to leave the idols behind, and I am calling you deeper. And um, he told me that he 's a jealous God, and i 'm going to have to trust him. i didn't trust him. i didn't trust him at all. Uh, that was the first time after um, I heard max 's testimony that I cried for the first time. The entire months I wasn 't crying, but I, I had all this anger inside of me and um, I felt Jesus just give me a hug and say, I love you. Um, the next week, a new, empo- a, pl- a, new, a new employee started at work, and he I didn't pay much attention to him. And um, eventually, he, but whenever he spoke, I, I heard, or God said, pay attention to his voice. There was something really warm about his voice. And I think I was also, I didn't have any capacity to meet any new people or um, make new friends and he eventually came closer and he spoke to me one day and he asked how am I he asked what am I'm doing for my weekend and and I said um, no I'm not doing anything I've been on, on, on the streets too much I just want to be home um, and he was like um, I, I and and he was like why like and then I told him um, about my sister and then he said um, he understands his dad also passed away when he was three, and, and he also went through it. But he went through it from his teens to into university, the spiral. And he just cautioned me and he said, um, it's okay, but you have to cry and you have to allow yourself to feel. And I realized that I wasn't doing that. Um, in our conversation, um, I also told him, I've been going out so much, I just, I just hope that I live long enough to, because COVID was running rampant and, and everybody was just, I felt like everybody was passing away at that time. And I was like, I just hope I live long enough that I can make it right with God. And he said, oh no, of course you will. Um, you belong to Jesus. And this was with the same words that, that Rico had said in his messages. He said, Z, just remember you belong to Jesus. And I thought that was such an I love you from Jesus. And then after that, he said, um, I think it is time for you to go on a fast. And I, and I really didn't feel like going on a fast. This was October. And um, he, he said he'll go on a fast with me. And, and we went on a fast. And that was the beginning of me getting closer to Jesus and walking with him. Um, and I just want to read this verse of, Peter, of Jesus walking on the water, um, where he, it's Matthew 14. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you and walk on water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat and walked on water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the winds, he was afraid and, beginning, and and began to sink. Crying out, he said, Jesus, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Oh, you of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? I read this verse and Jesus so clearly, I love this verse because I feel like there's so much happening. First, Peter doubts Jesus and then he, he has courage and then he almost, in some translations, it says Peter jumped out of the boat into the water. Um, and then he gets distract, distracted from looking at Jesus, and then he sinks. Um, and I think whenever we're going through difficult things, it's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to find answers, and to look to the left, and to the right, and to, and to um, look to anything other than Jesus. Um, but God is calling us home, He's calling us back, He's calling us to stay in His embrace, He's calling us to keep our eyes on Him and not to keep our take our eyes away from Him and He will save us quickly. Um, I am now in the phase of my healing where it is the restorative phase and God has been restoring my heart and I am learning to walk with Him again. And um, one of the things that he, he always called me to was to worship. And, and um, it was so difficult singing when I was hurting. But I know that this is what God, God has called me to do. And so I'm going to sing this song. Um, it is well with my soul, I am on the way of it being well with my soul.
4: that's in front of me will be thrown into
0: Also, we're learning to trust God, that He will show us how to follow Him more closely, that we, as we walk with Him day by day, our journeys that you're hearing that people are on, God is such a sweet, patient God. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. Forward, old life is gone, new life has begun ephesians 4 22 to 24 throw off your old sinful nature and your formal former way of life which is corrupted by lust and deception instead let the spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes put on your new nature created to be like god truly righteous and holy throwing off putting on god's holiness and moving forward with jesus Philippians 3, 13 through 14. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it yet, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Jesus Christ, is calling us. Keep pressing on, church. Don't grow weary. Niku, would you come now?
5: 2020 was truly an unprecedented year of events. <laughs> well, that's for you. No, um, I must admit, uh, 2020 for, our, for all of us most probably wasn't an easy year. Uh, for our household, it was further, um, what is the word, evidenced by the fact that uh, our firstborn was in uh, grade 12. And he had to finish grade 12. Um, with a whole new set of rules, a whole new set of um, uh, concepts and ideas, and um, he's not really one to take easily to new things. It was always quite a, um, a challenge. So getting him up in the morning, trying to um, get him to study, etc., etc., was quite a job, and uh, it mostly fell on my wife. So uh, uh, I think she, she had to go to the hairdresser more often than um, in normal years. Uh, but no, none of you would have realized because um, yeah, she just always looked the same. But as the, the year progressed and got uh, longer, uh, obviously the thing started becoming, you know, to an end. And the one Monday uh, afternoon after uh, he wrote his English exam, uh, he came home and uh, there was this this energy that came through the front door. And as he came through the front door, he he launched his backpack with all the books in it. He just launched it through the air, through the living room with absolute practiced precision, and it hit the one wall, bounced off the other, and then it thudded on the floor. Uh, Three-door houses down in the guest bathroom, you could feel it, um, and it lay there. And he put his am- arms in the, in the air and he said, it's done, I'm finished. It's, I'm done with school, 12 years, it's fantastic. And Uh, He was just elated because it was all done and completed and he he was finished with his grade 12 and everybody was happy and myself, Tia and Melissa, we were sitting at the kitchen table and I think at the end it was maybe, uh, I think it was Tia, uh, she finally got to voice what we all were thinking and she told him, but Albert, um, you're still writing Geo on Thursday and Friday (laughs) and he looked at us and he said, I have Geo." And so the rest of the couple of days, it was absolute chaos. We had to find some, you know, textbooks. We had to get somebody to, to come and tutor him. And um, obviously his, his whole demeanor for the next couple of days was quite bad. Um, so he wasn't really somebody that, that, that paid a lot of attention to what's going on around him. And it, it, it really was a challenge and still is um, to, to raise kids. And in Afrikaans, they say... Uh, it's it's a, it's a um, you raise them. And mark is a werkwoord. It, um, what is a werkwoord in English? Verb. 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 You see, I wasn't, I didn't. Uh, 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 Any case. So raising a, a kid is a, is a, it's an action. It's not something that just happens. It's not something that you uh, sit and it's going on in the background and all of a sudden some day it's there. You actually actively raise. And and it comes with a lot of frustration sometimes. Um, It comes with a lot of joy as well, but mostly frustration. And um, and it's things like, please close the cupboard door. Uh, If you take something out, put it back. If you borrow something, you know, for instance, my tools, just put it back. Uh, You know, stuff like that. And and, and over the years, I've basically given up on a lot of stuff. But um, what was amazing to me the other day is that... um, uh, in the meantime, uh, Albert is now busy um, at one of our family businesses and he's looking after quite a big, sizable portion of, um, of the job and he's got about 15 people working for him already. Um, so he, he, he's an important guy. He's starting to really you know, grow up. And last year he got a dog. Um, so he's now supposed to look after this dog. He had dogs when we were in the house as well, but it was more my, my dogs. So uh, you know, he played with them, we fed them, we cleaned after them and so on. So when he got this new dog... Um, we said, listen, this is not our dog, this is your dog, so you clean up, you do this, you know, no problem. And um, in the beginning it went well, and, and then after a couple of weeks, um, he brought the ho- the dog home, and as dogs do, they don't really do things as we do, so they don't understand inside, outside, toilet, not toilet, you know, these things, it's quite difficult, so... Um, and all that we would do is well, the dog messed. Oh, look there, the dog messed again. Oh, yeah, there's a little spot. You know so and he was and every time he said, No, you don't have to be harsh with the dog, you know, because dogs learn quickly. You know, if you just show the dog, go there and do that, they will do it. And I said, Yeah, well it's your dog, you know, go for it. And um, and so we went on for a couple of weeks, and every time the dog would do something bad, you would go to the dog and say, no, 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 that is not a good idea. Daddy doesn't like you doing that. And then take the dog outside and say, you're supposed to do it. Yeah, oh, it's a good dog. You know, that type of thing. But all the dog hears is, doo, 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 ah bah, bah, bah. you know, buck. So eventually the dog obviously doesn't learn because there's, no, uh, there's, there's nothing in it for the dog to realize this is bad, this is good, because everything is just attention. Negative attention is also attention. So um, we were looking at this thing, and I, uh, my wife told me, just, just leave it. You know, he'll, he'll come around. And then one day, um, he just had it. And um, the dog messed again in the house where he's not supposed to mess. And he took the dog, and he gave it a decent hiding. Um, and uh, the dog was absolutely dumbstruck. You know, what was this all about? And fled and ran and sat underneath the, the table um, in the dining room. And so my son went. And he took the dog out and he took it in his arms and he said, listen, I just want to tell you, it's not that I don't love you, but you really should stop doing this. And he had a long conversation with the dog about, you know, I don't want to hurt you, I don't want to be mad at you, I don't want to do bad stuff, but if you continue this route of yours, it's going to cause trouble. And my, I was not there, I was, I was on the road and my wife phoned me and she told me this story and... I don't know, I just almost burst out in tears, thinking that there's. there's eventually he started to realize that all the, all the effort that you make sometimes with children, all the, the, the negative things that you do in their perception, it's not because you don't like them, it's not because uh, you, you, you don't love them, it is because you love them, it's because you, you actually um, want to see them succeed. And he's moved on, and uh, and I can see it in both my children. The other day, I heard Melissa speaking to a friend, and telling the friend an absolute truth, which I've been telling them for all along, and I've always thought they don't listen. And she telling this friend this truth as if it is something that she has received from, you know, like this whole (laughs) revelation. And I think to myself, I've been saying that for fifteen years. But any case, so. And she tells us this is this revelation I received. But, and I realized, but, but they do learn. They, 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 do, um, they, they look at you, and then at some stage, they learn. And I thought about my um, relationship with God, because it's not about my son and, and, and how he now you know, listens to what we say or something. Um, but I want to read a, a, a piece out of Colossians 3, um, verse 18. Let me just get it here oh sorry that's the Chinese version I apologize uh, wives submit yourself to your husbands as it is fitting to the Lord you must listen carefully now and it says husbands love your wives and do not be harsh to them and then there's this one thing that that really got me it says children obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord fathers do not embitter your children or they will become discouraged and I've, when I was at, at, in Sunday school and whatever, you get read this thing often. You know, children, obey your parents in everything because this pleases the Lord. And I think, yeah, well, that's, you know, very, very uh, fortunate. And um, it's a nice verse to keep on telling people because it's, you know, it, it fits all parents to, to, to tell children that. But I realized that wives, husbands, children, fathers, uh, the, God is also talking about his family to us. And when he says, wives, submit yourself To your husbands he's also talking about the bride of christ that need to submit to christ and that it is fitting for the lord when he says husband love your wives and do not be harsh to him he's saying i'm the father i will love the bride i am not going to be harsh against the bride when he says children obey your parents he's talking to us and say obey the father because that pleases him and fathers, do not embitter your children or they will become disparaged. This is what our God does. He is the heavenly father. He, never, he, he doesn't come and, 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 and really just um, hurts us for no reason. You get earthly fathers that do that. You get earthly fathers. And I mean, I've also made a lot of mistakes in my life with my children. I've built into them my own personality, the good things and the bad. But God is all good. And he builds into us his fatherhood. And, and when you see that in your children, and you start seeing that your children are mimicking you, it pleases you, especially the good things. Well, I don't know, mafia bosses maybe think differently, but you know their children, even if, it, if, it, if the child is then more evil than him, it pleases him. Yeah, well, it's, well, maybe it's not going the right way. But if your child does something that, that you really think, wow, I'm impressed by this, it pleases you. It makes this feeling in your heart that you think, wow, this, this child is, is going somewhere. Now, h- how does the Lord feel when we do things that please him, that, that is in his character? It's not because he has a set of rules and we have to follow them. It's not because he is strict and there is this difficult way to get into heaven that we you know, need to comply and it needs to be self-sacrifice and everything that is bad yes some it does but there's pleasure in it my son came home on friday and the first thing he does when he got got home is he said like he always does these days i'm hungry Um, and i'm also quite glad because then there's space in the kitchen in the refrigerator again because since he's been living on the farm outside of winter our refrigerator just doesn't Seem to get empty because we make stuff and there's nobody to eat it because we eat it, all the leftovers. So when Albert comes home, whew, hallelujah, the kitchen's clean again, you know, um, fridge is empty. So he says, I'm, I'm hungry, I haven't eaten in two days. And um, there's a guy sitting there, he was a contractor that came to clean some carpets, and he was sitting there waiting for his um, boss to come and fetch him. And Tia said, No, oh, well, there's some leftover food in the fridge, and he takes out the two, and, and it's a, a, a bowl of um, chops and some uh, mashed potatoes, it's, it's a decent one portion. And Albert proceeds to put it all into a plate, and when he did it, he cut the f- uh, meat in two, put it into two plates, put the mash in one and two in the other, and went to take to this guy the one plate. He says, I can see you're hungry as well. And and I was just, I thought, wow, you know, um, how does the Lord feel when I do something against my own Pleasures against my own desires. Does it please him? And then it comes to this verse that says, um, and I'll read it from the right one this time. Um, it says, "Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord." Now, sometimes we think that parents, we we, we want our children to be perfect. So, so if you're a child, when I was a child, I thought, oh, you know, the parents, they just want me, me to act this way, to do this, to do this. They just old ways and so on, and 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 you get to a large extent, you get. Yeah, my parents are just out to spoil my fun. You know, I can't do this, I can't do that, I can't go out at night, I shouldn't drive too quickly, I shouldn't all these things. And we as parents we have a different view. We we have a view of please try and protect yourself because you've got a long life ahead, you need to make the right decisions, etc. etc. Now, God does the same and it tells you: stay away from that temptation, don't go as close to the edge as you want to, it's not good for you. And then you think. Why? You know, God's always this, like, reels and stuff, you know? I, and then you don't realize that he, 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 the fact that he is disciplining you, the fact that Albert disciplined his dog doesn't mean he doesn't love it anymore. It doesn't mean he doesn't like it anymore or rejects it or abandons it. It just means he actually loves the dog, and he disagrees with the way that the dog does it. So sometimes, most of the time, When I get disciplined by God, it's because he disagrees with my method, because it's not to my benefit. I see it as rejection, as he doesn't love me anymore, as that he's abandoning me, uh, that I don't live according to rules. And it's not about that. It's about living his character and actually becoming like him. Um, so that we can not only have freedom in ourselves and be free from earthly things, but also be to benefit for the body of Christ. So if, if I get disciplined by God, and it happens a lot because I do not follow the rules all the time, I used to see it as I need to hide it from him or I need to, you know, he's a little old school. Um, and now I see it differently. I think I, I start seeing, well, maybe he's, he, he's saying something to me that he wants me to do differently. So that if I follow Jesus, if I follow what he did, he said, I do what I see the Father doing. I go to the Father, I just do what he does. And I live that. If I start doing that, I'm not only going to benefit myself, I'll also benefit those around me, rather than seeing it as I'm being punished. It's God saying very slowly to me, that's not the place, the toilet is out there. And it's funny enough, the dog does learn it after a while, and he learns exactly where to go. We're not dogs, but um, to some stage, I act as if I am one. And I think I can just use God's grace just to forgive everything. Just ask Him, and, you know, I just do what I want to, and then afterwards, oh, sorry, I'm real sorry, I won't do it again. And His character is forgiveness. And sometimes He says, like the Albert did, yes, don't do that again, oh, that's fine. And then sometimes He gives me a lashing. And that's right, because as a father, I do it as well. Not because I don't love, not because I abandon, not because I reject, because I love fiercely, because I love with everything in me. And I want my children to be uh, successful, not in an earthly way, but in a, in a spiritual way. And God wants the same for us. So uh, that's from my side, Anna. Over to your side. <laughs>
2: Let's stand together. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. Where you move, I'll move. I will follow you. are good, all your ways are sure. I will trust in you alone, higher than my sight, high above my life. I will trust in you I say, I say. When you move, I move. I will follow you. Who you love, I love. How you serve, I serve. In this life I lose, I will follow you. I'll serve. this life I lose, I will follow you. Where you go, I'll go. Where you say, I say. When you move, I'll move. I will follow you. When you love, I love. How you serve, I serve. If this life I lose, I will follow you. Fallen When you move, I'll move, I will follow you when you love, i love, how you serve, I'll serve If this life I lose, I will follow you Where you go, I'll go, where you stay, i stay the brasses
0: that we're learning that God does heal our brokenness that God enters in our broken times and that he as it says in Psalm 34 18 the Lord is close to the brokenhearted he rescues those whose spirits are crushed if we allow him to enter into our brokenness he will rescue us there Ezekiel 37 1 through 10 Uh, It's a long passage, but I just love this story. You know this story, but I'm going to read it to you. The Lord took hold of me, uh, Ezekiel, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley filled with bones. He led me all around among the bones and covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. Then he asked me, son of man, can these bones become living people again? Oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of God. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. And I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he had told me. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then the skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath, from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message and as he commanded me and breath came into their bodies, they all came to life and stood up on their feet. A great army. Would we, New Song Family Church, give God permission to breathe into our brokenness, our dried bones, our burned out lives, our exhaustion, our, our woundedness, our disappointments? Would we allow God to breathe his breath into us and say, rise up and go forth as a mighty army? Minty?
6: Good morning. One of my favorite verses is, um, taste and see the Lord is good. Um, I've always loved this verse because I'm an Indian and I love food, (laughs) and I can relate to tastes very well. Um, One of my favorite memories um, of my adult life is um, November 2019, (laughs) pre-COVID. uh, it, is, it was day five of our six day hike on Mount Kenya. The worst part was over. Um, the hard rough terrain, the cold weather was all gone. This was a very um, steady decline, very gentle um, walk, um, perfect temperature, just cool enough for hike um, with soft dew. So we were walking through this beautiful valley Um, a very wide valley. Um, If you looked ahead, it was um, just amazing, just green, green grasslands. Um, If you look behind, there were um, three massive snow-clad peaks. Um, uh, The flowers were just unbelievable, so beautifully designed. The green was just So green, back then Namibia was in drought, so that green was just, we hadn't seen green in a while. Um, uh, We were so at peace, nobody felt like we needed to talk because we were just taking it all in. And the only noise, apart from our footsteps, was this noise of this gentle stream that was just flowing next to us, this crystal clear water. Um, And then um, we took a break, as one always should, food breaks (laughs) during hikes, (laughs) and um, as we um, stopped, um, some oranges had survived the long hike, um, and uh, we peeled an orange, and as we put this perfectly sweet orange in our mouths, Um, I'm I'm not the one to spontaneously um, speak scripture. Um, It doesn't come to me spontaneously. But in that perfect moment in my life, um, I just could not resist saying, um, taste and see, the Lord is good. Um, I will declare the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Um, And it just kind of stayed with me this moment. so uh, with that memory we entered 2021 june um and gosh i'm gonna have to forgive me came prepared june 2021 i was sitting on my bed with a plate of oranges but i had neither tasted or um, smelt anything in 10 days or probably a week Um, neither had my parents because we all had COVID. I um, was still wrestling with whether my, the decisions that needed to be made over my dad, like should we take him to the hospital, are we going to wait and see what happens. He wasn't so serious then, but um, we knew it was going to be a serious one. So as I put this orange in my mouth, it was supposed orange because my brain didn't tell me it tasted like one, um, um, I was taken back to this perfect moment in my life in Kenya and um, I could hear this voice ask me, will you declare the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living? Um, and um, all I could taste was fear and I could not see the future in front of me. And I would love to say I was like one of those prophets that went, Lord choose me, I'll do this and I'll go where you ask me to go. But um, The truth is, I said, Lord, I know what you're asking of me, and all I'm going to say is, just please protect my parents. Please don't take my parents away from me. So on that day, I did not declare the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Um, Sorry. So I, I think God really wants us to hear about dogs and kids, because I also have the same... Analogy, But um, uh, taste is such an important thing in our family because I come from a family where um, food is really enjoyed and I think kids and animals both need to learn um, good taste. Um, they, they put everything in their mouth and the reason um, uh, taste and food is so important is because um, what you eat becomes a part of you. You basically consume it and it becomes part of your cells and it becomes who you are. So um, as a vet, I've had, I have spent hours and hours removing not cool things from animals' intestines. Um, um, animals eat bats and skewers, and shish kebab sticks, <laughs> and towels, and fish hooks, and metal wires. And um, these, are, these are things that, that are hurtful. They're not good. Um, and um, you know animals can end up with diarrhea, and vomiting, um, and worms if they eat things that are not good for them. Um, and it just amazes me how, um, you know, we as people, um, we see food and then we eat it. But um, the Bible says, taste and see, the Lord is good. It's a, it, it was just always really strange to me that God would say, taste me first and then see. Um, because that's, that's not how we do food. Um, but then I was reminded of when I was a kid... I was really averse to texture of food and the way food looked. Um, If if it didn't look like I thought it should look um, and if it looked mushy or um, just not right, I wouldn't eat it even though it was delicious. So my parents invented this thing where I'd come to the table and they'd say, just close your eyes. And if it was something I had never tasted before, they would just put a spoonful of that in my mouth and I, I would love the taste and then when I saw it, after I had tasted it, um, suddenly um, it was like this, this flavor that lingered in your mouth made what you saw appealing to you. Um, and, um, and that's how I started relating to taste. And Heavenly Father sees that. You know, our limitation with our sight is so severe that um, we won't taste something that is good for us if we see it first. Um, so if, you, um, if I saw my life, Um, uh, through the circumstances, or tasted my circumstances before I saw God, these are what my circumstances looked like in the last month. Um, uh, I would have tasted stress and frustration due to work overload, uh, marinated with bitterness and rage due to an employee dispute, salted with fear because of delayed insurance payout after our break-in and no provisional tax payment, um, roasted in complete chaos because all these things needed to be um, uh, fixed and um, sprinkled with grief and sorrow. So that's what I would have seen. Um, so when when my life looks like this, uh, this is what I usually do, I pray but then I call Dana. And as a true friend... <laughs> Um, you know, you know, someone's a mature Christian when they're not surprised by your storms in life. They're very sympathetic, but instead of you know being so surprised, they've been through it all. They, they instead of giving you definite solution, they give you questions in life um, that you need to answer that will get you there. And um, Dana and Sybilla also asked me the same question. So, what measures are you going to put in place so you don't go under? like, what kind of question is that? You know, I need answers now. And they said, okay, what measures are you going to put in place so you don't go under? I'm like, hmm, I don't know the answer to that. So I do what I always do, go back to scripture. So I'm like, Lord, what am I going to do about this? I can actually practically do nothing about any of my situations. I can do as much as I can. I've done everything I can. But more than that, I cannot do. Um, sermon on the Mount. Um, I love the Sermon on the Mount. It's this massive sermon. Um, I love everything. I've always loved everything about the Sermon on the Mount, except for the ending. So it's where the Beatitudes are. Um, it's where um, God tells you about prayer and fasting. The Lord's Prayer is on the Sermon of the Mount. But this part... I I have never liked this part. This is how the climax of Sermon of the Mount ends. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. And the rain fell, not the nice Namibian rain, the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it was founded on the rock. You know what this verse promises? A storm. (laughs) It it promises more than a storm, but it definitely promises a storm. And I, like, not that I've ever had life easy, but I I pray every single day when I drive to work, Lord, can this just be an easy day? Please, can this be an easy day? I, I haven't tasted easy, but I love the thought of easy, because, Maybe deep down inside, I am slightly lazy. Um, (laughs) So an easy day would be very welcome. But this promises a storm, and that's why I can say I don't really, really enjoy this worse. But um, after taking Dana's advice and thinking about what measures am I going to put in place so that I don't go under, I'm going to go back to the word of the Lord, and this is what it says. Man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes out of the mouth of the Lord. So what is the word, Lord? What is the word you're going to give me so I can filter my circumstances through that word? And Lord said, use the word beloved, because that is the truth. You are so loved. And if you filter your circumstances through this word, um, you will taste and see differently. Um, John 6 says, uh, Jesus is the bread of God who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Um, so what does life look like when you taste Jesus first as your bread um, and you consume him and you're not consumed by the circumstances? Um, what do the circumstances look like when you see the circumstances after tasting Jesus this is what I saw when I tasted Jesus first a friend just spontaneously coming forth and paying my provisional tax just to help my cash flow and saying you know what pay me back next month after your break-in and insurance is sorted Jesus tastes like provision I saw um, Friends just after the break-in just calling me, asking me, what can I get fixed? Um, uh, Friends getting locks fixed at our clinic and friends helping um, sort out our alarm system and choosing alarm system um, and just supporting us, Jesus tastes like friendship. I saw a Dozen cakes just being dropped off the whole week to the clinic cakes and cookies just being dropped off after the break-in Sympathy cookies they just said this is we want to cheer you up Um, Jesus tastes like sweetness Um, I saw people that work for us and my family just come to me and say you know what you're not in this alone We're right here besides you Um, Jesus tastes like support. I saw my church family stand beside me and hug me even when I had COVID and stand by my family and cry with me um, when my dad passed away. Jesus tastes like love. I heard God whisper to me after my dad's death that today he is with me in paradise and Jesus tastes like my treasure that's stored in heaven. I can feel my broken heart being mended slowly but surely so that I can declare the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living one more time. Jesus tastes like healing. Thank
2: you. Thank you. let's stand together. And I such the world, but they couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures of faith are never enough. Then you came along we back together and Every desire is now satisfied Here in your love Oh, there's nothing Better than you There's nothing Better than you, or There's nothing, nothing is better than you. And I'm not afraid to show you my weakness, my failures and flaws. Oh, you see the mall is still on the frame. there's a part of a mountain. It's a cut of a valley. There's not a place. Your mercy and grace won't find me again. Oh, there's nothing better than you than nothing better than you oh, there's nothing nothing is better than you oh there's nothing better than you there's nothing than you, Lord, than nothing. Nothing is better than you. You turn morning to dancing, you give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory, you're the only one who can you turn one into dancing, you give beauty for ashes. you turn shame into glory, you're the only Garden. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only. There's nothing, nothing is better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing, nothing is better than you. You Turn graves into gardens. You turn graves into gardens. You turn bones into armies. You turn seas into highways. You're the only
0: As we close out here keep praying for one another in your reading if you're doing the read through the Bible plan with the church uh, God was describing how to make the I would say ephod uh, for the priests and he says take two onyx stones engrave on them the names of the tribes of Israel six names will be on each stone arranged in the order of the births of the original sons of Israel Engrave these names on the two stones in the same way a jeweler engraves a seal. Then mount the stones and setting a gold filigree. Fasten the two stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as a reminder that Aaron represents the people of Israel. Aaron will carry these names on his shoulders as a constant reminder when he, whenever he goes before the Lord. Are you carrying the names of the people you've been praying for this month on your shoulders? Don't take them off. God has called us to be the intercessors for our lost world. Keep carrying them. Keep feeling the burden of these names. Just picture it as stones on your shoulders that God has laid on your heart to continue taking before the heavenly throne. Don't take that calling lightly. Please keep praying for these things that you started praying for. Let me pray for us as we close out our month of praying and fasting, and then we're going to go party on downstairs. Sweet Jesus, thank you so much for how you have just shown yourself so beautifully. Oh, wow, what stories you have given us today. You're a God of incredible stories. Lord, it just is even just such a small amount of i know all the stories that are in this room we thank you for a miracle that happened this month lord that we got to be a part of and praying for lord we thank you for so so many answers that we've already seen and we thank you for the answers that are to come lord we rest in these we hope in these and we look forward to what you're going to say for each one of these things thank you for this precious precious time with our church family in the month of february These things we pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.
2: This is Rico Oveka, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today. And it is my hope that you'll join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.